Jewish Latin Princess, episode 126, Mixed Messages About Money and the Orthodox World. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com, your host, Yael. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Yael Trush, your host. What a week then a time that we're living in. I, well, first of all, welcome to the show. I'm sorry, I should have welcomed you first, but I guess the intensity of everything and the pain is really just uh, front and center. I'm sure everybody's heart is more than a little bit broken. So before I start the show, I want to acknowledge the amount of pain that our country is in, that our world is in. Um, I shared my really messy and unfiltered thoughts on the racism that still prevails in our country and the hurt and the darkness and hope. Hope has been coming up for me a lot in my journaling this week, and I mentioned it in my post on social media, as well as also, I also mentioned the realization yet again that as a nation, as a Jewish nation, we haven't done enough to bring light into the world and to show the world with our deeds, with our speech, and our thoughts, the fundamental teachings of our Torah, that we are all, every single one of us, a child of God. So you can head over to Instagram and to Facebook or to Facebook um, at Jewish Latin Princess. Um, that's my handle to read what I wrote. It's nothing all that profound or spectacular. It really was just what came from the heart. And I have to thank some of my um, the people in my audience who actually pushed me to write and said, uh, we need your voice here. Um, because I was silent for the first 24, maybe even 36 hours. Um, but I did it again, not edited, messy, heartfelt. But when I did, um, many people seemed to appreciate my my thoughts, my comments. So I invite you to read it as well. And maybe it'll resonate with you. Um, but now today, um, today's show is a bit on the controversial side, and I have to thank my friend Francisca Goldschmidt for that because it's not necessarily a conversation that I would have come up with myself or decided to curate myself, but she did, and she invited me to have this conversation with her. You might remember Francisca from the show back in episode 39 a while ago, and also she made an appearance here on episode 109, which was one of a series of called Meeting of the Minds that I had made with her and other podcast hosts, uh, podcast hosts, uh, Hani Aaron Troy and Barry Mitzman, as well as Francisca. And so recently, Francisca invited me to her Facebook group, which is the Artpreneur Community, to discuss the mixed messages about money in the Orthodox world. And I took her up on the invitation to go live with her and discuss this topic. So I'm sharing because I thought it was a, a good conversation, a valuable conversation, not a perfect conversation, but we did our best. And again, we were just going live and from the heart. Um, I decided that I want to share this conversation with you. Now, as you may know, I personally have a bit of an allergy to labels like orthodox, conservative, reform, etc. And I'm sure you've noticed that if you've been here for a while that I try to stay away from them here in conversation. And the label orthodox comes up only when a person's bio really needs it or that this is the way that she's wanting to present herself in her bio because it just helps her in her work or whatever it might be. And, and, and so then I use it. But then even during the conversation, I usually try to stir the words that I use towards observant when I ask my questions, if I do have to bring it up. I'm not perfect, but I try. And I don't want to get into why I just prefer it that way. But it just it's kind of my thing. I, I like to just focus on what unites us rather than, I don't know, labels, just whatever. So not for today, but I thought I'd mention it because also funny enough, I will say that I had to put the label on my survey, on my listener survey in order to learn more about my audience, which again, made me like, ugh, they didn't really make it too comfortable, but I needed to do it. And the, one of the reasons is because I get asked so much by sponsors and potential sponsors, you know, what denomination is your audience, etc. So it's really one of the top things they want to know. And okay, I get it. I mean, it helps everybody understand better who the audience is and what their lifestyle is like. And I get that. So 
you know, it's there. But and by the way, thanks for those of you who have taken the survey. And if you haven't yet, you can find it at jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash survey. And yes, I think that's it. This is the last week. I keep saying that. But anyway, in any event, as you will see from the conversation today, um, for those of you who are not familiar with the quote unquote orthodox world, there are different types of communities within orthodoxy, and they're not all the same. And they all have amazing beauty and strengths and nuances and differences, etc. So while the questions that Francisca posed address one particular type of community, and some of what Francisca sees are, are as systemic issues within a community, I tried, not sure if I succeeded, but I tried to give a general perspective and a perspective that could be applicable to many Jewish people within that community and outside of that community, um, away for anyone, no matter what community, and honestly, no matter where you're holding in terms of level of observance, um, to think about their money, a way to think about your money and your choices in life. Um, much of it, and a lot with a lot more detail and depth, is what we learned in my course, Jewish Money Makeover. A lot we learned a lot more, but this is definitely something that we we really delve into. Which, by the way, is moving now onto level two. As my students and I realize, there's a lot more to implement, and so we're starting a level two soon. But um, and it's really exciting to me, and I'm like ready to get rolling with that. But by the end of July, I'm putting together. I'm launching really uh, and the, a new version of this course, which is really putting together both beta courses, level one and two, and so much more, including expert teachers and, and, and more, and um, different exercises and prices, and really a new launch of Jewish Money Makeover, because I realized the reception and the feedback has been amazing, and so the need has been validated, and it's too important a topic not to be teaching it. Not to mention, I've loved teaching it, and I'm always now thinking of ways to grow it and improve it. And obviously, I have tremendous gratitude to my towards my students for leading the way and getting me to think about this and improve upon what I've built. So definitely, they take a lot of credit because it's from their ideas and their feedback that I'm just recreating everything. So if you want to learn from me how to change your entire financial paradigm, and I mean from the way you think about money to the way you speak and to the way you behave, meaning your systems around money, then go to jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash waitlist to join the waiting list. No commitment. It's just a way of letting me know that when I do launch, I should tell you first about it because it will be a course with limited spaces as it involves a lot of high touch coaching from me, etc. So jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash wait list. All right, so back to today's conversation. I think it's worth listening carefully because it's a nuanced conversation and one that I think if one missed a detail, one could easily misinterpret what is being said by both of us. But I think you'll enjoy it. And of course, I'm always open to feedback and questions that might come up as you hear this. It's an emotional topic. It's not an easy topic. Money never is. But I enjoyed doing it. And I enjoyed the challenge of doing it. Not perfect. And we're both human. And it's complex. It's quite complex. But after we finished, I said better that we had talked about it, even if it's not perfect. And even if it's a bit controversial, than not discussing money at all better open ourselves up to the conversation and to, you know, the disagreement and all that. Um, especially because, she sees Francisca through her line of work within her community, the entrepreneur um, community, the community of creative women. So many women who are struggling with their money mindset and with the practicalities of money and who need to hear more about this. And indeed, so far, the feedback that came both on IGTV and on Facebook were very positive. A lot of good questions. I actually have a few questions just came in that I'm going to address soon. So here we go, ladies. Enjoy this conversation on mixed messages about money in the Orthodox world. World. Welcome, Yao. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good. Baruch Hashem, how are you? <sighs> Thank God. We're, we're, by the way, we're already live, just so you know. Hello, everybody. <laughs> I just want to mention somebody just met 
messaged me privately as saying, you know, it's funny you're doing a talk like that right now at this time. You know, yeah. maybe it's not so sensitive or something. Uh, mm. How do you feel about that? You know, with the looting and so much going on, I don't really want to bring politics into the work I do. <laughs> but how do you feel about a comment like that? I, I'm not sure. Where is it coming from? From You said the looting and everything that's happening in America? Yeah, the pandemic and, you know. Right. So my take on it is that the more we illuminate our lives with a Jewish outlook on what could be helpful for our families and our marriages and our finances, the better we're going to be serving the world and illuminating the world. So I do think that these are the type of conversations that we should keep having. We should be having them. It's not negating all the pain and all the suffering, but we have to keep growing and we have to be showing up for our families and for our communities. I think this is an important topic. And yeah, I'd like to thank JewishCoffeeHouse.com for being a platform for us to share um, these incredible, you know, topics and talk about topics like these. Anyway, yeah, El Trush, it's such an honor for me to have you back and have a conversation with you. I know you had me on your show a couple of years back. Oh my gosh, uh, yes, way at the beginning. Was, just when I was starting out with podcasting, I believe. That's right. And, and I am. I admire you so much. I admire the work you do. And now you're in a place where you are reinventing yourself as the money expert on Jewish money and the talk about money in the Jewish community. Is that correct? Is, did I miss that, anything? That, that that is correct. And yeah, it's interesting how it happened. It really boils down to what people what people like and what people want. And I kept getting so many questions about this all the time. And so much was coming at me. And I felt like that was a pain point that obviously I had a voice and that I was saying something that was really resonating with people and really helping them. And so slowly but surely, it's like something I started writing more about and speaking more about. Now I'm teaching an online course about it. So thank you for the opportunity. This yeah. is a great topic. It is. And uh, it gets a lot of people really excited. So I'm excited to talk about this. And, you know, in light of everything that's going on, I think, as you said before, this is a great opportunity to start talking about how this affects our community, how how certain paradigms that uh, we grew up with or we are, you know, or the, the communities we join, either by marriage or by um, becoming, you know, more observant and bringing Judaism into your life, you, mm -hmm. uh, everyone experiences their own money messages and how it intercepts with Judaism. And I'd like to address some of the uh, messages, and some of them are mixed, and how they are directly correlated to Jewish lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So should we jump right in and let's start with our... Let's just <laughs> jump right in. Okay, great. So um, as someone who is who started on a mission to help creative women, specifically musicians, create mm -hmm. uh, high-earning businesses out of uh, their talents and their skills. I came up, I started thinking a lot about how money uh, it affects us and how so many women are uh, going for low, mid-paying careers or job opportunities. Um, and what's fascinating about it, it is that the ultra-Orthodox community, as the Haredi community, that is all about learning Torah and the expectation of men going into Klai Kodesh or learning Torah and the supporting the family, it very often is expected on the women. Uh, it's It can be a little bit of a conundrum or a paradox uh, how the women are not trained or encouraged to go into higher paying careers mm -hmm. so they can support the fast growing families they're expected to have like as soon as they you know mm -hmm. come out of seminary and get married so there's that underlying i feel like i brought many issues into here yeah. and this specifically addresses women but i think this is like the biggest thing i would want to address during our conversation there's so many other things um, like another one we're going to talk upon later and remind me if we forget it is about like the big value uh, we place on learning Torah and marrying somebody uh, or, you know, going into Torah and learning Torah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm repeating myself. But when it comes to Shadduchim and marriage prospects, somehow, you know, the non-important Gashmir or materialistic, um, you know, values we have suddenly go out the window and we're looking for someone who's going to support or be supported by so they 
uh, looking for, you know, money in a prospective family sometimes becomes a decisive factor in prospecting. So that's just another side point. I'd like to right, ask. right, right, right. So, so I'm going to backtrack a little bit and give some and, and kind of put this a little bit into context before we even address the fact and remind me, I don't want to forget because I really want to talk about the women and the maybe the the the, the pushing our, our daughters or our kids to go into these certain low pay, low paid, safe type of um, jobs or careers that you mentioned. But before that, I want to I want to backtrack a little bit and give a little bit of context, just because you did mention at the beginning that we're kind of addressing this maybe mixed messages that we get around money and wealth and all that. And so you're right, there might be mixed messages. And that is really part of the a reality, which is that we live in exile. So because we live in exile, we are conditioned to receive from the world, these messages that are perhaps not Torah true messages. Okay, so let's give some clarity into what is the Jewish perspective on money, like clearly, and so that so that we then can that as, a, as a framework to any, everything that we're going to discuss. Okay, so just to give some perspective to people, we attach so much um, we project so much into money and most people really, it's such an abstract thing, but from a Jewish perspective, money is neither good nor bad. It's neither positive or negative. It's actually a neutral tool that the creator of the world has given each and every one of us to partner with him in this world and to serve him. Okay. And it has tremendous potential, tremendous potential so much. So that is something that from the very beginning, we as Jews have been involved with, have utilized. I mean, we had a promise from the first Jewish man to have tremendous amount of wealth. And we and that that promise by God was fulfilled. We left Mitzrayim, we left Egypt with tremendous amount of wealth. We crossed the Red Sea and we got more wealth. And we have to ask ourselves, like, what was all that wealth for? Because if we're going to be in a desert and the bread is going to come from the heaven and we're not going to be involved in business and our clothes are going to grow on us, you know, there was obviously a much higher spiritual purpose for all that wealth. And that's the whole point that the money is here for something so much higher. And we, 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 we have to keep that in mind. And so we have, we can go through the whole thing. The Kings of Israel, King David, Moses, they were all wealthy people. There was, it was, in order for, for there to be prophecy, you have to have wealth. I mean, on and on and on. We've talked, you and I have talked about the Mishkan, the Beit HaMikdash, on and on. Okay, so just to put it into context, there is no shame in wealth. There's no shame in money. It's something extremely powerful and useful and positive. And not only that, I just want to say one more thing before we address our daughters, that actually money is like an amplifier, if you think about it, meaning it amplifies who you are. It amplifies what you do. It creates impact. If you're a generous person, money makes you more generous. It gives you the ability to be more generous. If you're a creative person, it allows you to be more creative. If on the other hand, you have a negative trait, it's going to amplify that trait. So it is it is amazing. Okay. So let's just put that out there. And so making there's no shame in making money. Now, when we talk about the fact that perhaps in certain circles we there is a tendency to encourage our daughters to maybe go into some safer positions because they want to be in they they are in the role of supporting Torah learning and their husbands and and I, I want to say something first of all there's nothing wrong intrinsically wrong with that we need Torah learners and that's all good but what I want to address is just from a general perspective the fact that and this the whole world is waking up to this reality and we need it we need to wake up to it beforehand because we have the upper hand here we have a torah to guide us okay and that is a reality that people in their 40s in their 50s in their late 20s are waking up to the fact that they're sitting having a job and a career in which they are completely miserable in which they've they've their soul is getting stifled in which their creative potential, their talents, their everything that God has gifted them with is not being put to the use. Now, let me ask you, if we as Jews know that God, the creator of the world, gives every single individual, meaning every child of ours, I'm talking like a mother, but it's also you and I, okay, and all of every every person, right? certain talents, certain gifts, certain strengths, certain weaknesses, certain circumstances 
what is he giving them for? He's giving them to us so that we can use them. So why on earth would we encourage our children to move away from that into something that is, quote unquote, the safe thing to do? And not only that, I want to pose the question, if women are the spiritual, if the if our forte is really in bringing spirituality into the home, into really building the warmth and the and the Jewish life, the energy, the spirit that is Jewish life, because Jewish life is so much more than Torah texts. We all know it. And that's really the, the strength of a Jewish woman. Then how is a woman going to build a happy, thriving, joyful Jewish home based on Torah values if she is compromising the essence of her soul and what she's doing? Do you see what I'm saying? So it is, sure. it is, and it is a mixed message. We have to encourage our boys and our girls to utilize everything that they have for the service of Hashem in the world. And that, that will mean that they have to make money at it. I mean, it's, the, the, there's no question. It's not like I'm saying, okay, now go pursue your passion and don't make money at it, which is something that you teach people, right? No, there has to be an intersection between what you're good at, the talents that God gave you, what you love to do, which is something, again, innate to you, who you are. And what the world is willing to, to get from you, to pay you for, where you add value and they value you, which again is how you serve God in this world. So when that intersects, then bingo, the magic is happening. And why wouldn't we want that for everybody? For sure. You're smiling. I'm smiling because you wrote so many questions up and I'm like, well, I was the one asking the questions. I need you to answer them. <laughs> or we have to I didn't talk it? about them. Um, well, yeah, I, I mean, we definitely have these messages and and this upbringing and I, but practically speaking, how do we move from somewhere? You know, I, I want this conversation to inspire action, to inspire yeah. change, to inspire some something different in people and to be like, you know what, the way our system is right now, maybe doesn't isn't designed uh, to support us financially in the best way, you know, if we're expected to send uh, lots of children and pay private tuition for them and all the other, mm. you know, unique expenses that come with uh, Orthodox lifestyle, why mm -hmm. aren't, why isn't there a focus necessarily on empowering specifically women, but in general, it could relate to men also right. to, to, to get the kind of uh, training or education or whatever other confidence skills and traits people need to be able to support and sustain families like that, especially when when it comes to marrying off your kids. I don't know about it. I know in America it's different, but in Israel, you know, no matter mm -hmm. how poor you are, and I know if anyone watched this, uh, if you're marrying off your daughter, you're expected to buy or pay for an apartment for your daughter. and. Uh, you know, how you're supposed to do that with a teaching job as a Rebbe mm -hmm. or as a, you know, uh, other type of kosher jobs that are uh, ideal. I'd say there are a lot of kosher jobs out there, but the ones that everyone is sort of encouraged to go for. Also, when when men, and this is a whole different topic, but when men do leave yeshiva or kolel mm -hmm. to go to support their family, usually it's not because the system or their their mentors have uh, told them, you know, it's time to go. It's usually like no one's ever going to give you a certificate and say, hey, you graduated Kolel. You put in your years. You mm -hmm. did it. And now go support your family, which in a way is a little bit too late. You can't just support a family of five um, with no you know training and anything, which is why so many people go into business because you don't really need uh, education per se for that or formal education but the point being uh, th there's very lack of encouragement for you know this is how we expect you to live your life eventually and, mm -hmm, and support mm -hmm. this lifestyle why don't we support people from the beginning and teach them and give them skills they need to have and the understanding so that they go into life knowing the expectations they have, whether the expectations are on the husband to support the family or on the wife or both. Right. So, so, so you're, so what you're saying is that you feel there's a systemic issue within certain communities. And, and, and I'll, I'll say two things to that. Number one is 
I can't speak to the fact whether there really is an issue or not, because I'm not part of that type of community. I never was. What? And I've told you this before. And that's perhaps why I can speak about this and, you know, very bluntly and openly, because I just, it, you know, I, I'm looking at it from an outsider's perspective almost. Okay. But the other thing is, okay, so your question is, so where do we start? How do we change it? And it's the answer that we would give to any change that we want. And, and that is that we need to start with our own homes. And I, I really see this as a bigger question. And it goes into every element of finance, whether it's whether our boys don't get trained to work or whether our, the, the girls don't get trained to work or whether we how we manage our money and what we spend on bar mitzvahs and what we spend on weddings. Meaning, here's, here's my point. We, every individual has to know what value system do they stand for and what have clarity in their household and within their marriage. What are my values? What exactly are the values of this family? And is my money supporting those values? So, 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 so when we, when we, when we get to a point where we are making decisions robotically because that's the standard of a community and not because that's what Hashem expects from me and that's what aligns with what I think is the right way to serve Hashem and everybody should have a mashpia and everybody should have a rav, no questions asked on that, okay? Then, then, then we have a problem. And it goes, again, it goes back to the way we allocate our money. It's, 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 it's a bigger issue than just the way we teach our kids. It, it trickles into everything that you're saying from, from how we budget to how we invest, to how we go shopping, to how we train our daughters and who, who they should go date, you know, mm -hmm. and who they should, how should they even be talking about money in a date? And of course you're going to, no, you know that I'm going to tell you yes, right? Um, so, so really, it's such from within. I think we, I think it, you know, I always say, I've talked a lot about money recently during the pandemic. It's come up a lot because obviously there's so much tension in this area and everybody's, many people have been so affected. And the truth is, I think it's a great time for all of us to actually get to the core of what our values are, which is something that very often is super nebulous. It's something like, oh, I assume that I live a life of according to my values, because my behavior should reflect those values. But the truth is, if we were super honest and we would look at the way we spend our time and our money, we might be super shocked to see that it really isn't the way we really, really and truly would want to live. And now that we've been hit with this, it's very interesting because those values that the Torah has told us from day one, our paramount have been like literally like exposed. They're in front of us. Our health, our family, our community, our self-development, our growth, our spirituality. I mean, it's like in front of us. It's like time to focus on this people, you know? So I think it's like a great time for everybody to really ask themselves. And if those who are married, this is a conversation to be had as a couple, what are those things that are really, really non-negotiables? What the, are those things that are paramount? And are they showing up in the way we allocate our money? Because if I say that Jewish educate that Jewish continuity is a value and Jewish education is a value, and that's super important for me, and I'm spending a lot of money on Nordstrom's, but I'm not paying tuition or I'm not sending my kids to Jewish camps, then there's something wrong that I need to reassess. And again, we all have to do it for ourselves. It's not for me or for you to judge. It's every individual has to have that honest assessment of that. And if I say tzedakah is a value, but I'm actually not quantifying my meister and I actually don't know how much I give in tzedakah every year and I don't systematically give it, then, then I'm not really living in alignment with my values. Again, I'm not being true to my soul, to the essence of who I am. So it's part of a bigger conversation of how do we want to live? When we finish our time in this earth, do when they ask us, when we go up to Shemaim and they ask us, you know, how did you do in business? And were you the person you were meant to be? You know, Susha, why weren't you Susha? Right, Francisca, why weren't you Francisca? They're not going to ask you, why weren't you Yael? Am I going to be able to answer? I made decisions and I did everything in my power to use everything I had. And that might mean going against the grain. That might mean that I don't follow what the community standards are because I don't think that's what's the right thing for my family. I mean, I don't know. I'm posting it again. I'm not creating a revolution against certain communities or anything like that, but I just think it's, these are the questions that we need to be asking ourselves.
Totally. If we and, really want change. And well, I think this is a perfect time to also talk about this because the pandemic also brought up our values in a way. And I thought you were going to bring that up, but I will. Um, yeah, the weddings, they're stripped down yeah. to the core, the most essential people to the family. Isn't or, that amazing? And and oh, oh, everything, you know, when it, you know, I, <laughs> it's funny because you think now you don't have to go to weddings, but now you're expected to be at every wedding and every <laughs> Shava Rachos and every, you know, <laughs> on the terrible side, you know, Shiva and Shlosha God thing that you wouldn't yeah. necessarily be able to be at every birth and birthday party and suddenly you're expected to be at everything um so but yeah it's been br brought down to the absolute core and essential listen we're not saying yeah we're not saying that sharing simchas with a community is not a value 100 percent, it is a value but we always have to make choices and decide at the expense of what meaning am i doing this to impress the goldsteins or am i doing this simcha because it's a simcha that i can afford it's a simcha that emulates the spirituality of my family and the way we value things and represents certain things that are core to my family. And those are choices. I could spend the same $30,000 in a completely different experience that is still what is true to me. Or I could spend $30,000 and impress everybody else and at the end of the day, feel completely empty. Or God forbid, even worse, feel be completely in debt because I needed to impress other people. So it, it really is, it, again, it's not that we're saying that we, do, God forbid, we should all, all finish and this pandemic should end like literally before this conversation ends and everybody should be free to enjoy everybody's simchas 110%. But I think every decision that we make in our marriage and in our homes needs to be filtered with the values of the Torah. And it's it's hard. It's very hard conversations. And because we live in exile, we get so confused and it's so easy to live according to what everybody wants and everybody does and everybody expects, especially why not? They are also living a Torah life, right? But that, that, that doesn't mean it's for you. And that doesn't mean it's for your child. A certain school might not be for your child. Why are you putting them in that school? You know, for example, um, we, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, and I think there, this could be a series of conversations because this really goes into every aspect of a life. Of you right, know. but um, so I'd like to wrap up this part of the conversation where we spoke about the issues, and you know, maybe some people watching, you know, never thought of it like this, or you know, never haven't experienced looking at money as through is this a jewish value or how does judaism deal with money mm -hmm. and i want to change and uh change the course of this conversation a little bit to solutions or practical ways of you know creating change for yourself for your family being mm -hmm. proactive about the messaging that you are sending to your children and how you want to empower your kids to make decisions not based on this is how it's been done forever you know because of history versus this is how a life i would like you to lead and i'd like to give you all the tools you need to live this kind of life and not and and be able to help other people and one of my favorite quotes if you want to change the world you know change. make a lot of money and then you can do all the change you want and we need more pe more positive people in the world creating make change with their money right and, and um taking away the stereotype of like rich people are bad or evil oh gosh you know, please yeah <laughs> there there is a lot of that and um i i don't know if i should bring this up here but like you know that I yeah whatever I won't bring it up here. No, no, the bottom line is it's it's such a it, let's let's mention it because if you think about it, there there's people who are rich who are not very nice, and there's plenty of people who are rich who are very nice, and there's poor people who are not very nice, and there's poor people who are not very nice. So it doesn't yeah. And some let's people go. are meant to sit and learn Torah or be a yeah. teacher, and, and they're so good at it. And other people have so much more in them. And instead of telling them, you know, become you know a secretary or or something else that's administrative or par of or neutral in terms of skills go for something you're passionate about that you're super talented about and and do the best you can and okay so that's basically um my message so yeah so yeah. you let's go to you how how do you help 
uh, women specifically with being proactive about this issue? Yeah. So, so let me just tell you like six things that I see, like when we, when we tackle these things, to me, it's like we're changing the paradigm already and we're changing our financial paradigm to be a Jewish paradigm, okay? Number one, we didn't address it and there's no time to delve into these, but just to, I'm throwing it out there for just to plant the seed. It's essential to trust the source and the source I mean with capital S. The bottom line is that there is a God in the world who sends money and who has plenty of money and plenty of everything for anyone and everyone. We just have to show up and give our best going back to, you know, put your best effort. Okay. But there is, there is that essential. Number two, we addressed it, which is the idea of funding your values, which is so, so important. You're a little bit. And number three, and this is an easy one. Are you there? Cause we got yeah. off a little bit. We got a little bit frozen, but yeah. you're in the back. Yeah. yeah, I think we're fine. Um, number three, and, and when it comes to children, this one is super key to teach it to them from a very early age is giving systematically like there's no such thing like from a very early age, your kids should see that giving 10%, 10 to 20% of your after tax income is something that we do no matter what. Like it's something that they do with every Hanukkah guilt, with every present, with every bar mitzvah dollar, like money. It's something that is part and parcel of our family with the financial structure of our family. Okay. And when we go back to the funding our values, it's all those conversations with your kids on no, because we're saving for the tefillin or the trip to Israel or the bar mitzvah, whatever it might be, that is something that's super essential for your family. It's okay to tell your children no, we've chosen not to spend on this now because we're, we're allocating that money towards this goal that is so important to our family, whatever it might be. Number, the number, I don't even know where I am. Number four, I would say that is super critical is like staying out of debt, period. Like, and by that, I mean commercial debt and we're not going to get into, into, into the details, okay? And then number five, something that I know you teach your clients is make more than you spend we have to make more money, period. Like again, going back to that's how we serve the world. And there's no shame in that. There is absolutely no shame in that. We have to make the money. But again, it has to be more than what we spend. We have to be smart. Next is automating our savings. Okay. We've already learned to make more money. We know to give because that's what Jewish law dictates. And that's, that's, that's a value we have to automate our savings. How are we going to save for what for the things that are important in our life? Again, funding those values. Okay. And the last one I would say is, and this is where maybe it's for more like people who are already at that level, but it's very important that people know it is that the bottom line is later on at some point, you really have to get to a point where you make your money work for you. You have to invest your money, whether that be, and again, everybody has to learn what those proper investments are, but there is a point in your financial structure where certain things, certain ducks are in a row and there's a certain structure and you're making your money work for you. Right. So, you don't want to be 75 or 95 or right. maybe sometimes 65 and needing to go to work every day to support yourself. Right. Or having your children having to support you. Again, it goes back to the early conversations about values. Where do we want to be long term? Um, so we got a uh, comment in the uh, in our stream here. Please yeah. don't denigrate. Well, this conversation is really important, but please don't denigrate lower paying positions like teachers who are leading the next generation. And what I want to say to that is mm -hmm. not denigrating them at all. If someone understands how, what the possibility right. of growth is in that position, and they still want to do it. Those are the people. These are the people who should become the yeah. teachers because we want them educating the next generation. If there are people who are like, you know what, if that's all I'm ever going to make, I'd rather be doing X, Y, and Z, then please do not be teaching my kids. I've had teachers, unfortunately, I had amazing teachers in my life, but I had teachers who were like, oh, I'm here because I failed at like all my businesses. So I'm here teaching you. And I'm like, oh, thank you. That's so inspiring. Yeah. So <laughs> it goes back to that initial point. I love that she asked this, that she made this comment because a hundred percent, if you have a child or if you yourself that is your strength. That is your skill. That is what God gave you. You have a moral responsibility to do it. So 100% is not denigrating lower paying jobs. 
at the same time, you might find that as a teacher, you might want to evolve somehow or solidify your skills somehow to make more money. And that's also okay. That's what we're saying. So like you said, we don't want to just create robots and have people going into teaching positions that that's not where their talent is. And that's, that's not where their soul is. That's not where they're going to thrive for themselves and their families. So yes, I'm, I'm glad that she brought that point, but yes, we need dedicated, talented teachers who know that this is what they want to do. They want to wake up every morning and do this. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, the side point, but if all the educators who are teaching will actually want to be teaching and they're super qualified and all that stuff, um, they can demand to be paid. You know, uh, many schools, unfortunately, are willing to take inexperienced uh, teachers right. who are using this as, you know, something to do until they get married. Um, and they don't have to pay them so much. And then, you know, are are we really helping those young women? You know, maybe they should be going and getting educated and other things if that's just their segue into the workplace because they want something kosher to do that's easy and they don't have to any to do any proper formal training for it. Uh, you know, and again, it goes. But back, that's a separate issue. <laughs> no, but but it is it is good that you mention it because it really ties back to again the values. Because if I am not the teacher. I am the parent who is funding that school. I have a responsibility to be funding that school. Like I'll give you an example. At the beginning of this pandemic, I had like this irrational little emotional reaction when I realized that all my kids are going to be here and my husband and I work from home and whatever. And all of a sudden I decided I'm going to fix certain things of the house that we've been pushing off because it wasn't a financial priority or whatever. Right. And because my husband and I constantly have these conversations every week, we talk about our values and our money, whatever. All of a sudden we like had such a good laugh and realized that, no, we're not spending money in the house. And how do we come to that decision? Because we just had to say, what are the things that are really important to us? And that if God forbid something continues to spiral out of control with this pandemic are non-negotiables and we still want it to fund. One of them is tuition. No matter what, that was something that we are going to keep doing. The other one was, we're going to keep giving Meister. There was Pesach was coming. There were certain things that were non-negotiable. And so if those were like things that could, God forbid, get affected by the pandemic, then the answer to spending in something else was going to be no. And not that having a nice home is not a value. It's 100% a value. But when you weigh it against other things, it's not. So why am I saying this? Because you said something that triggered it. And I, now I can't remember what it was. But it was whatever it was, it was just again, going back to the idea. Oh, going back to the idea that again, it has to be part of my value system to support the school so that they can pay proper teachers a, a good salary. And you know, Hashem should bless all of each and every one of us that we should have enough to really support those institutions that are so important because yes, hundred percent teachers deserve no question. Teachers deserve to be paid a lot more and we need good teachers to be doing the job, but we need more parents paying for that instead of other things. Sorry to say that, but <laughs> no, but <laughs> we have to make it a priority that, that teachers, uh, that, um, parents all can pay and, uh, some, you know, parents who are not paying full tuition is does not mean their, you know, their values no, aren't straight. Sure. There's some times in our lives where we're not able to pay full tuition, but I'm saying all of us who can, it is a responsibility to do so, period, even if it means sacrificing on certain things, because we have to help the families who don't, who are not able to do, and we have to help the school stay afloat. So again, it's just a cycle. It's a beautiful cycle that if we all take it with the utmost responsibility and humility it it, it just flows but, but just we have to be we have to be really honest and it's sometimes it's hard for sure okay so practically speaking let's just buckle this and you know i am let's say i am a you know a teenager or someone you know when do you start talking about the future with a young <laughs> woman or with a young man what do you think should be, you know, when, when she start talking about the future and how 
you know, when you grow up, you're going to be expected to have a lot of babies and support them and pay private tuition for all of them and then marry them off. And then a lot of expectations that the secular world does not bring on. And I think many families do not talk about money and how they're expected to uh, come up with it or what, you know, a lot of the messaging comes indirectly mm-hmm. through behaviors. So what, what would you say a practical like what what would you do with your daughters when do you think it's time to start to talk to them would you encourage them to look into higher paying you know a, yeah i okay. don't want to bad map anyone but th- there's a lot there a lot of issues with institutions and uh, and and the messaging in them so let me break it apart again it's going back to number one when do you start with your children you start from the beginning from the beginning, children need to know that Meister is non-negotiable. From the beginning, children need to know that there are certain things that your parents buy and certain things that we don't buy. Like these conversations have to be normal. Like my kids are familiar with money. My kids know they have investment accounts. My kids know to save for their things. My kids know to ask to be paid for babysitting jobs, right? Like these are things that have to be just talked about. Like it, ha- money has to be part of the regular conversation because it's a huge part of life and there's no shame in it. Now about the high paying job. Again, I, I don't think the, the language is you need to go for a high paying job. Again, you need to use your talents in the best way possible. You're going to figure it out. I have no doubt because God has, God is in charge. But as long as you're doing what you're meant to be doing, the money does take care of itself. That means you still have to show up and work and create and be creative and get out of your comfort zone hundred percent. And you have to encourage your kids to do that. You have to ki- encourage your kids to, to think out of the box. But to tell them, oh, you have to go in a certain career because it's the best paying or it's the best. I mean, how are we different from the secular world that is saying people, you know, go do investment banking like I grew up. Right. Or go be a lawyer because that's we're, we're no different if that's the messaging that we're sending. We, we have to change that messaging to our kids. Well, listening to you, I just feel split. I, I feel that split I, I, in, in a way. I totally agree with you. In another way, it's. I, I have just met and spoken to so many people who are like, and then that day, one day I woke up, I had five kids and I realized, how am I going to marry them off? Or how am I going to move into a house? Or how am I going to pay for them? But again, why did one day I wake up? That's what I'm saying. When our that, kids that's are- part, that, that's right. part. So that's, 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 that, that's what you're asking me. So how do we raise kids who make those choices based on not on waking up based on clarity who get into a marriage with clarity who get into a marriage knowing what your partner your husband's talents are how much debt he has how does he feel about making more money what your own financial situation is like what like it's not just because we're having the, the you know the institutions and the way our leaders are, or the messaging in in Yiddishkeit and Judaism is don't you know you do your best God will take care of it that's especially the message towards single adults single okay. young women and uh-huh. men you know right, you, right now focus on your true. Judaism focus on learning focus on this it, it will all work itself out um, so that's that's how that transitions to one day you wake up and you have you know a certain amount of kids and no way of supporting them in a way where you're not living paycheck to paycheck and freaking out about, you know, the Yantif that's coming up or seminary or Simcha. Yeah, but Francisca, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit here. And again, it's because I'm not part of that. I think we have to de- rewire our brains not to worry, not to worry so much. Like, like you have to go into a marriage with tremendous clarity and those choices that you make to build a family, you have to know that they're the right choice for you and the best choice for you. And then as your kids get older, if you need to start building more wealth for your family, because that's how naturally things are progressing, then you go and you do it without the worrying and the anxiety and that I suddenly woke up. No, you didn't suddenly wake up. You made these decisions because that's what aligned with your values. 
No? <laughs> no, yeah. So you're questioning the values. You're saying the values lead I'm, I'm, to I'm, this behavior and this kind of situation. 100%. 100%. 100%. Again, and, and, and I'm not, I want to be super, super, super clear that the that a woman's that a woman's role is not to be diminished in any way and that women sh there is tremendous tremendous value and that's why Judaism places such an important um so such weight in this in getting married and in starting a family and that putting this as a priority because it should be a priority that's how we build the world but again, we have to build it with simcha. We have to build it with joy. We have to build it with trust. We have to build it with clarity in our marriage, with communication, not blindly. There's no such thing as blindly. Yeah, blind faith, yes. Trust Hashem blindly, yes. But you, your decisions, everything else, yeah, you have to own them. You have to be proud of them. You have to know what you stand for. Yeah, so I love what you're saying, and I'd like to just uh, formulate that or repeat it again and saying, you know, Jewish values, the way it's been done, this system, these shivas, whatever you want to call it, it is a personal responsibility on every mother and father and every marriage to raise children with awareness and with tools. And it's not, and maybe, and maybe that is the solution. It's not the responsibility necessarily of the institutions and the rabbi, even though I don't know if I completely agree with that, but to, to empower actual change. I agree has to come from individual families and with real talk and that kind of messaging that happens through behavior and conversation from the very beginning. So I think that's very important. I think that's helpful information for anyone watching, I think. Um, and we have to teach our kids skills. We have a responsibility to teach them valuable skills. But again, that align with who they are <laughs> and where their strengths are. Yeah. And then, yeah. A hundred percent. So on that note, let's go into and just talk a little bit about what we both do and how we both contribute to the solution or, you know, on our small scale, potentially both of us can, you know, achieve what we're doing and make as big of an impact as we both can. Um, I'd love to hear about, uh, I'd love for you to share with us the unique and incredible tools that you created to empower Jewish women to uh, bring these tools and these conversations into their marriages, into their homes, to raise families with values, with true values and behaviors that align. Yes, so um, I've actually just recently started teaching an online course on, it's called Jewish Money Makeover, and whoever wants to be on the wait list for the next one, which is going to be incredible starting the end of July, can go to jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash waitlist because those are the people who really are going to, it's a limited slot, this limited spaces for the course because it's very high touch with me and a lot of coaching and a lot of like interaction and hot seat and all sorts of very fun things. But a lot of what we learned there is really how to shift this financial paradigm and, and turn it into the financial paradigm that is the standard norm and turn it into what is a Jewish financial paradigm and how it starts with the mental work and then with the systemic work this is the meaning the systems that we implement our financial system so it's a it's a two-part system and I was telling my students yesterday that I had a friend um who also happens to be a business coach, a big influencer and she posted something that said that she was so worried and that she used to stay up at night worried um, about her money and now she makes more money and she's still worried because the bills don't go away don't go away and that it's okay and I told my students you now know that no that's not how the system should work you have the tools to not be worried you have the tools to understand how to run your money in a way that especially if now you're already making more money the system is flowing for you in a way that the, the worry doesn't exist. So we, we learn a lot about how to train our mind and change the way we think and then build the structures for, again, what I said before, for automating, for MISER, for making more money so that things are flowing, so that we really are doing the most that we can. But, but we, without the mental peace, without the bitachon, the, the trust, and without the rewiring of the brain, it's like we can't, we, we're unstable. We need both. 
So we do a lot. It's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing course. So if anybody wants, it's jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash waitlist. And you can go on the waitlist and uh, stay tuned because you'll hear from me once I open, once I open. And I'll probably have a little discount for all those people who did actually go on the waitlist. For sure. And I love that. And I love what you said because it's so true. You know, you want to live now how you want to live and not in terms yeah. of necessarily. Um, I'm, I'm talking emotionally, for example, if you don't want to sure. be worried eventually, well, start being not worried today. or working on that today. Exactly. Right. Because right. more money or less money doesn't change your money behaviors and, no. and emotions around money. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And I'll, I, I love what you offer. And I think I have to sign up for your course too. You have to. You have to. It, it, it really has been an amazing experience. Yeah. And I'll just say, you know, I'll be brutally honest here. And if anyone has been following my posts or I don't know if I've been talking a lot about on my podcast or not, but um, I, I've been thinking about money ever since I was very little. I remember giving my sir, you know, my tzedakah, the 10% when I was, I don't know, eight or nine and I was running little businesses. Like it was very important. It was like part of my deal with God. You know, I give my miser and make sure I have more income stream. Uh, so. And I, I, that's adorable that I was so involved in that at a such a young age. But uh, for me, the answer and and that that and I don't know if I'm considered shallow or if people would look down on me. But for me, the answer: if you want to uh, live a life um, with the Jewish lifestyle and you don't want to have to struggle, the answer is make more money. The answer mm -hmm. might be, you know figure out how to earn more and not necessarily figure out what you have to say no to, which everyone has to do no matter what level of, of um, what status, you know, what level of income you're on. You always have to pick and choose, but um, it, it doesn't, uh, it shouldn't have to be, you know, buying a house or paying full tuition, which I know for a lot of people, you know, once you have a mortgage, it, uh, it, it there's this, concept i'll just mention if, you, if you're paying rent and you have kids in school very often um you can't save up money for a house because that's money you could technically be paying for tuition so very often even if people can't afford it they tell them with whatever you can buy a house because you won't be able to buy a house later on because mm -hmm. you'll be you'll never get approved for tuition breaks and and that's for people who wouldn't be able to afford a house anyway so the point is is that there are <laughs> Um, what's been working for me is the answer and, and I've been working hard to find a way uh, to make that a reality. And I think it's a special challenge, especially for creatives, because it's not like I said, okay, I'll become a doctor or a lawyer or an investment banker. It's like, oh, I'm a musician. Let me see how I can make this happen. And uh, with the right support system, I feel like I have learned a way I have found a supportive system a network a community of musicians of creatives who are actually building high earning businesses and i am positioning myself in a way where i can provide that support and serve uh, the community for women who, and it's open to men but i am targeting this specifically for women who want to feel empowered who want to feel like yes they can support their children and pay full tuition because the schools do deserve to be yeah. paid full tuition and to be able to you know buy meat for Yantif and to uh, and to learn skills and the 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 stuff that the mindset stuff that helps you be more relaxed because it it could be very high stress right. if you're not controlling but that that right that's the that's the part where the trust in God and understanding that the the trust is really what allows the bracha of abundance that God has in store for you to come down is so critical so what you're saying is 100% to we all have to think and create and do the most that we can because as you said we want to make more money and that's our that's a responsibility that we have to ourselves and our to our communities but without the trust piece it's like it's it's unstable it doesn't don't work it's a it's a magical system i'm telling you once you're in it it's like it's like it's magic <laughs> it's a divine system for a reason god knows what he's doing yeah and it starts well, up here Totally. And we are going to wrap this up. I just want to share something that I feel 
is very related to Judaism. I think I shared this with you privately once when we spoke. Um, uh, but you know, God was the ultimate designer slash yeah. ultimate, you know, materialistic entity. Uh, and one of as as what's the word? Um, as well as the ultimate everything else in the world, obviously. But when it comes to materialism, when we learn it from the Torah itself, you know, God was very particular about how the Mishkan and how the base of Mikdash uh, and the temple was supposed to be built and what kind of he only wanted, uh, you know, we were instructed to only use top uh, materials and it gold. Was exquisite. And it was exquisite. It was exquisite. And the measurements were exact and everything. everything the extremely. colors, the texture, everything was so precise. So if anyone ever wants to tell, you know, uh, wanting uh, to earn more or wanting wealth or wanting a beautiful home or wanting beautiful dresses is not a Jewish value, you always have the source to go back to. And, you know, God appreciated beauty and God's home, you know, <laughs> his the representation, the temple on earth was the ultimate beautiful, uh, you know, precious entity. So a hundred percent. And the, 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 the bottom line is the question is, what is the money for? Is the money to serve me and my ego or is the money to serve Hashem in the most beautiful, precious world way in his world? And if we can answer that really honestly, if we're then then that's our motivation, then then we're good to go. But we have to ask ourselves that question every single day. Yeah. I, I love this because it really took away the conversation from the practical or like tedious conversations of the issue of tuition or the issue in yeah. or the issue in this and bring it down to the core values, the core faith, the core uh, belief systems and education and behaviors that we That's should be implementing. Yeah. Thank you so much for this conversation. I would have <laughs> never done it if you hadn't proposed it. So I, I give you full credit. Thank you. you. And halfway through, I was regretting, like, maybe I shouldn't be having this conversation with you. I don't know where for a while. Are you filtering, God, for, are you filtering messages and people were like, what are these two women saying? It's so <laughs> counterculture. And you're not telling me? Uh, no. Saying. <laughs> no, I think, I think the people who stayed on watching, you watched? My sister. Okay. You'll have to watch it after. She helped with some of the questions. Um, I think, I think <laughs> it's important. Of course, it's important. It's very uncomfortable also. And I think especially women, we're taught and educated in a way to be more, you know, tsenua and to, you know, whatever, all that great yeah. stuff, you know, having to sell yourself and be confident and get on these, get into these interviews and get yourself a job and be a leader. Um, you know, it's a little bit sometimes counterintuitive and mm -hmm. we do and the women empowerment and the Jewish women empowerment, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to use the word movement, but you know that kind of education trend. and trend and support system and community is so important. And I'm, I'm just so honored to be a part of it. I don't know why God put this like passion into my head, <laughs> almost like I can't be passionate about other topics because I'm so passionate about this right now and I have to stay focused. And you're doing but. a beautiful job. And the best part is having your baby with us. It's like showing us, listen, th this is what's most important, the children, the baby. And that's why I'm doing all of this, but, but I'm important too. And, and my passions and my creativity and all of that is important too. So I'm showing up with all of that for this child who's here. Yeah. And a lot of what I started doing only started after I had my first child. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, yeah. If that's not a proof for the ambition and the passion inside me, then what is? Right. So thank you so much, Yael. Thank Andy, you. Anything else you want to say? Thank we you. Well, back? everybody can find the podcast. I know you're a big fan. You were a guest many, many moons ago. We're like almost in year four of the podcast, Jewish Latin Princess, where we have these types of conversations and more. As you know, it's not all about money, but it's definitely always conversations on weaving Jewish spirituality into very, very practical ways of life. And it's a very open conversation. It's not at all about orthodoxy. And my guests are far from orthodox. There's everybody in the spectrum. Um, but that's, I think, what makes it so interesting and so fun. It's amazing. I love what you're doing. You're such an inspiration and Thank you're you. a true leader. And it's such an honor to be your friend. Also, anyone wondering why I'm shaking half the time and, you know, moving There's side a baby. to side. There's a baby. So uh, thank you so much for watching and listening. This this was so fun. I'm so happy we did this. I am a little 
sweaty here because I was talking about things that it is taboo or maybe looked down upon as, you know, you, you're criticizing the community. <laughs> there are a lot of important people out there who think differently. And many of them- Did you get us in trouble right now? <laughs> I'm going to open my phone. I'm going to be in trouble. You excluded yourself from the community and you didn't criticize anybody. So don't worry about yourself. Um, but yeah, I am up to criticizing and, and you know, wh- where there needs to be change or empowerment for different behavior, I think it's important to speak up and go for it. So thank you so much, Yael. Thank you. Make sure to check out our podcast, get on the waiting list for the course. And yes. if you want to talk to me, love it. you know how to reach me. I'm Francisca everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, Francisca Music. And yeah, Trush, Jewish Latin princess. Jewish Latin princess everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, everywhere else. Awesome. I love you so much. Have a great Thank you, Francisca. Amazing job. Thank you. Thank you for everything you're doing for women. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for being here. I'm sending my love to all of you. And let's stay positive. Let's stay kind. First and foremost, kindness. Let's do what we can. Actually, not just what we can, but let's get out of our comfort zones to do more to make this world into a brighter place. And everyone can judge for themselves what that means um, in their own lives. But yes, I think this pandemic has taught us to step out of our comfort zones. And the episodes of the last week have made the need for us to be doing uh, doing that. Just getting out of my comfort zones even more, more pressing. So um, yeah, it's time for action. Thanks again to Francisca for inviting me to her Facebook group to have this conversation with her and for trusting me with such a delicate topic. And I encourage anyone who might be interested in learning more about Francisca and the services she offers creative entrepreneurs to join her inside her private Facebook group, the Artpreneur Community. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a review and rating. And if you have any questions, as always, reach out to me via DM on Instagram or email yael at Jewish Latin Princess. If you're interested in a financial transformation with me and other growth-minded women, then get on that wait list, jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash waitlist so that I can send you more information once the course is again up and ready to launch. Wishing you all a lot of calm and peace and continued health, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health and a beautiful, wonderful week. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit jewishlatinprincess.com.